0: You know, if, if you're looking at a uh, brand new uh, machine, kind of the you know latest generation machines, if you have about you know 1,500 of those, 1, 15 to 1,600 of those, uh, you would be expected to mine about one bitcoin in a day. We're definitely a very values oriented business, and uh, developing those values was one of the most important things that Kolei and I did um, in the early phases of the business because it really created this amazing decision making architecture for people to understand what what it means to be a great employee at Crusoe. We're focused on aligning all of those computing resources and how they're actually getting utilized with the future of the climate and the future
1: of the planet. Welcome to the ProCo 360 podcast. I'm Dave Tabor, hosting ProCo 360 because I love Colorado and love getting to know Colorado's entrepreneurs and leaders and sharing my conversations with them, with you. My guests have built very successful businesses while being collaborative, enjoying all that Colorado has to offer, and doing that with other talented people who are glad to be Coloradans. This episode is with Chase Lockmiller, CEO and co-founder of Crusoe Energy. Talk about creative problem solving. You've probably seen the perpetual flames burning from a tower at an oil and gas production facility. That's not like the Olympic torch. That's called flaring. It's to safely and easily dispose of gas byproducts that are not cost-effective to capture or transport. Crusoe Energy created a way to capture the wasted energy and polluting emissions of flared natural gas and use that to power modular data centers that mine Bitcoin. I know it sounds like kind of a stretch, and for sure, it's out-of-the-box thinking. That's what Chase and I will talk about. So, Chase, glad you could join me today on ProCo 360. Hey, thanks for having me, Dave. I'm I'm, I'm excited to be here. Good. Well, let's start with quick, in your words, a quick overview. I mean, how did I do with that intro? Uh,
0: that was pretty good. I thought you nailed it. One of the primary problems that we're solving right now is this problem that persists in the oil and gas industry called flaring. Um, You know, it's it's sort of existed since the beginning of oil and gas production. Today, we have about 14 and a half billion cubic feet a a day that are flared globally. Um, You know, to put it into context, that's enough to power the whole continent of Africa. Wow. Um, And uh, so it it is a a big global problem and a massive waste of, you know, an otherwise useful energy resource. Uh, And we've solved that problem by basically... Uh, moving the demand to the supply by co-locating these data centers alongside this otherwise wasted energy um, and then utilizing that to generate power and, and putting it towards something useful.
1: Well, you were telling me before we got started that there's kind of an interesting backstory to the sort of how this epiphany came to you. Talk about that.
0: Sure. So, uh, you know, my co-founder and I, uh, we, we come from, you know, just very diverse ends of the spectrum. And, you know, that, that was really the only way that this business could have been created because it brings together such unique, uh, business aspects. Um, so, uh, my co-founder, you know, is a gentleman named Coley Kavnis, uh, him and I actually are both, uh, Denver natives. Uh, we went to high school together at, at Kent Denver, um, which is, you know, how we originally met. And uh, we went, you know, very different career paths. Uh, you know, he, he, he came from an oil and gas family. Uh, his, his dad and grandfather had, had both been in the oil and gas industry. Um, and, uh, you know, I ended up pursuing more of a technology-oriented career. Um, and, uh, you know, within that career, I had done, you know, quite a bit of uh, usage of uh, large-scale grid computing uh, for, you know, various research applications, uh, you know, practically in the, in the, in the financial markets um and
1: uh so he's got this gas background and you've got this plasma physics MIT background right and somehow those two come together
0: yeah exactly it's it's kind of a it's it's pretty unique so i uh you know i got i got really interested in the digital asset and cryptocurrency space um i ended up joining uh, uh i was an early partner at a hedge fund called polychain capital um you know, I ended up leaving Polychain in in early 2018 to to basically pursue a personal dream of mine, which was climbing Mount Everest. Um, so, you know, I I, I was uh, my wife was pretty eager to start a family, and when uh, uh, you know she she was very supportive of me going going. Yeah, in, but
1: go climb Everest before you have kids, exactly, right? Yeah, pursuing
0: yeah. this dream. But you know, she 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 didn't want to do it after after we had kids. So, um, you know, I spent about two months in Nepal, and it was this you know amazing moment for me to really unplug and think about, you know, what, what I wanted to have, you know, what I want, what I wanted my impact to be in the world, um, and what I wanted to do next with my career. And I'd been thinking a lot about this infrastructure layer of computing and it being, you know, one of the most important components to, you know, the future of technology, uh, the future of innovation and one of the you know, biggest levers to basically uplift all of humanity. Hmm. And, uh, you know, as, as computational costs come down, innovation, uh, costs come down as well. Um, and that sort of uplifts everybody. So as I'd been thinking about this infrastructure layer of computing and, you know, after I was fortunate to successfully summit Mount Everest, uh, I came back to Denver uh, and I was spending some time here with, with family and Coley had reached out to me to hear more about my expedition. He was a big adventurer himself. And so him and I actually went uh, to climb a couple of 14ers out here in, in Colorado. You know, we ended up talking the bulk of the day about flaring and i I was very unfamiliar with this problem, uh, but Coley had been sort of experiencing it firsthand operating upstream oil and gas company, and uh I, I was unaware of the sort of magnitude of it and, mm. and as I was learning more and more about it, it really just blew my mind. you know I'd always thought of natural gas as something that you know just heated my house and I, you know uh, I used to cook on my stove uh, but he, and, and I always sort of took the infrastructure for granted hearing about the, the magnitude and the scale of the waste, it, you know, it felt like a real opportunity. And as I was thinking a lot about this infrastructure layer of computing, you know, one of the primary costs of computing, particularly when you're engaged in, in high performance computing is, is, is the energy costs yeah, associated with yeah. it. So, you know, globally data centers consume about 5% of the global power. Footprint.
1: Yeah. I just read something where Bitcoin mining alone uses as much power as the country of Sweden. That's
0: wild. It's, it's a, it's a, it's a very large energy use case. Um, What's unique about Bitcoin mining is that it has certain properties that enable it to tap into otherwise wasted and stranded Mm -hmm. energy resources. So it's a lot of people get this idea conflated that uh, it's, 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 it's utilizing otherwise energy that might otherwise Mm -hmm. be used for, you know, other Mm -hmm. human use cases, but What's beautiful about Bitcoin mining is you can utilize it to, to to capture these these stranded energy resources like flaring of natural gas.
1: That's pretty cool. So let me ask you this question. Is, you know, so you're going out and you're putting, you're putting essentially self-contained data centers next to flaring scenarios, right? And you're capturing the energy that would otherwise just be burned and off, off into the world. And you're redirecting that into energy to power data center. Is that roughly it? That's correct. So we basically
0: co-locate our data centers on site with the oil and gas production. Um so what 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 happens is an oil company drills an oil well and what comes out of the ground is a mixture of oil, gas, and water. And the gas and that o- th- that goes through what's called a three-phase separator. And the oil goes into oil tanks, which can be trucked to an oil refinery. Mm-hmm. The water goes into water tanks, which can be, you know, trucked to a water treatment facility. And then the gas, absent having a pipeline, is very, very difficult to transport. Yeah. Um, and it's it's highly uneconomic, you know, oftentimes to compress it or liquefy it. And so what we've come up with is a uh economic and environmentally friendly way to basically capture that gas and utilize yeah. it to power these on-site computing modules.
1: So are these energy companies that are producing mm, non-economical natural gas, are they paying you to do something constructive with it so they don't have emissions or are you paying them to use the energy? You know, how does the economics work on that?
0: Uh, it, you know, each, each uh, deal is typically different, but typically we pay a, a small amount for the gas.
1: Okay. So what is, once you put, I'm picturing, and maybe I'm picturing it wrong, but I'm picturing like a a small building, a little module essentially. Uh, and, and it's full of, of racks with computers. Is that what, what does a one of your data centers look like?
0: That's right. You, you've, you've got it. You've got it perfect, you know, it's, it's basically a, a modified 40 foot shipping container. Yeah. Yeah. That uh, That's what I know, was thinking. has, has with some awnings that fold out. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And you know, it has a door and when you open the door, you feel like you're walking down an aisle of, a,
1: of a, oh, data, a data, center. data. So for every, and and you're, Alec, you're designing these data centers to mine Bitcoin because the way I understand it is basically you can crunch. You don't have great connectivity to the Internet, to anything else. So you can crunch numbers on site and then what upload essentially upload the results rather than having to have a constant transition, a transmission of data back and forth. Is that
0: sure? So. With Bitcoin mining, one of the unique properties of it is that it's, it's CPU bound and it's not IO bound. So it doesn't require a tremendous amount of network, uh, you know, low latency networking or high bandwidth networking. We do have locations where we've actually built out um, very impressive networking solutions. Hmm. So, you know, we have a we have a site where we can support hundred give fiber hundred hmm. gig fiber connectivity. So which is, you know, that's competitive with most large yeah. uh, co-location but data. Generally,
1: stores. the gist is that you're crunching in these boxes. Correct. And then uploading answers.
0: Correct. For our our, our Bitcoin mining footprint specifically, yeah. but we are also building out uh uh data center footprints for non-crypto related, uh, computational activities. So, uh, we have, you know, numerous pilots going that are, you know, focused on, on AI research, on computational drug, drug discovery, Hmm. um, on graphical rendering to basically produce So uh, all these,
1: all these high CPU concentrated activities can be done in these Maybe I'll just call them crunch boxes. So yeah, it's so, the, it's the computational
0: engine. Exactly. So right.
1: that's a, so, that's a more scientific word for computational versus crunch box. But no, I, I do have some more questions about Bitcoin mining because sure. it, it's so topically related right now. And so let me ask you a couple questions about that. Cause you do, you do mine Bitcoin in some of these boxes, oh, right? Absolutely. So it's,
0: it's one of our primary use cases.
1: Yeah. So for every Bitcoin you mine, that's about $40,000 in today's valuation and, or 125,000 Dogecoin, if you want to go there. <laughs> so either either way, it seems like you'd have a lot, you'd have to mine a lot to cover the expenses. So, I mean, from a context standpoint, I mean, like how many Bitcoins in one of these boxes can you mine in a day or a month or a year? I mean, how does that work? Um, you know,
0: typically we don't disclose uh, those specific numbers. Yeah, um, I get it. So how many? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. You know, we, again, we, we, we don't really disclose the uh, specifics. Around- so,
1: I, I get it. So separating, separating Crusoe from that. Yeah. You know, I mean, just to help listeners and me get a sense for like, what does it take to mine a Bitcoin? You know, how many computers over how long a period of time will result in a Bitcoin? Sure. So,
0: um, let's see here. I'm going to have to do some math in my head here.
1: Um, we can send it to one of your crunch boxes yeah, if you want. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. I, I think uh, you know w- what's important to recognize about Bitcoin mining is that it is a fixed inflation schedule that yeah. is predetermined in the software, um, right. at, Which is predetermined in the Bitcoin protocol. So, the amount of Bitcoin that an individual unit mines is dependent upon the amount of other unit the other. The other uh, nodes that are connected to the network that are competing to basically secure and validate
1: transactions on the network. Right, and and before we dive into that further, I, I want to remind listeners this is Proco three hundred and sixty named best Denver podcast three years running and just named. Best Colorado Business Podcast by Colorado Biz Magazine. I'm Dave Tabor, and this is the show featuring entrepreneurs who could be successful anywhere and choose Colorado. I'm speaking with Chase Miller, CEO and co-founder of Crusoe Energy. Thanks to our sponsors, First Bank, Kinsley Meetings, Via Technologies, and Digital Frontier Printing. All my sponsors support Colorado business and entrepreneurs, and they support this show. Also, thanks to the Colorado Chamber of Commerce for its support for me and Proco 360. So, uh, Chase, wanna get back, I, you were, I realize it's a difficult question to answer around just how much, uh, what does it take to create a Bitcoin when you're mining it? So, and there are competing forces and all that, but right now, I mean, it's gone from people who are, you know, essentially setting up boxes in their houses to mine Bitcoin 10 years ago, five years ago, even now it's, it's like, you have to be in the game with massive amounts of computers. Sure. So what does it take to mine a single Bitcoin? So uh
0: again uh what i was saying before is that you know it depends on the amount of competition that's on the network and as bitcoin adoption has grown it's yeah. become much more competitive so uh today if you sort of um you know so, so it evolved from you know people mining bitcoin on their laptops to yeah. people utilizing uh graphics cards so gpus mm-hmm. um which you know can uh can 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 uh, conduct the sha256 hashing alg- algorithm much more efficiently um, to uh, people eventually designing custom built uh, uh, chips, chips yeah. to basically uh, just do Bitcoin mining, which mm-hmm. is today really the standard. And uh, with those, you know, if if you're looking at a uh, brand new uh, machine, kind of the you know latest generation machines, if you have about you know 1500 of those, 15 to 1600 of those uh you would be expected to mine about one Bitcoin in a day.
1: Wow. So you need fifteen to sixteen hundred machines you get to get forty thousand dollars a day roughly. That's and thank you for that. Like you know, sure. I know it's an estimate. I get it. Now when you mine a Bitcoin, is there like is it a whole number? And all of a sudden do you when you hit that whole number, does it show up in your wallet? Sure. So there's different ways to mine
0: Bitcoin. You know, one one Probably the most popular way today is actually uh, miners pool computational resources in these things called mining pools, hmm. where they basically you know it's it's sort of like waiters sharing tips, um, very very similar concept uh, for miners basically pooling hashing resources. Yeah. We don't use a pool because we've sort of reached a scale uh-huh. where uh, we're willing to basically absorb the variance instead of uh, yeah.
1: having to work with a uh, pool. And when you get Bitcoin. Are you saving them or are you using them to fund your operations?
0: Typically, we utilize that capital to reinvest in growth. Um, mm-hmm. We have a lot of very interesting projects that, you know, we are uh, looking to grow and expand into, um, and that requires capital. So uh, typically our, our excess, you know, revenue, we we uh, uh, reinvest into new projects.
1: There's one, one question I've always been uncertain about and you can answer right now, and that is. There's two things that have to happen with, with Bitcoin. One is they have to be mined. Well, they don't have to be, but they are being mined. The other is this ever-growing, massive uh, distributed ledger, which must now have trillions of transactions, at least billions. And so that, that blockchain keeps getting longer and longer. When, you, when you're when you mining Bitcoin, are you also necessarily a maintainer of the blockchain
0: you are a maintainer of the blockchain that is correct so you <clears throat> but what you're focused on is basically the next batch of transactions
1: but i mean when you're doing one you're doing both if you're maintaining the blockchain you're also mining bitcoin and vice versa
0: correct so what you're doing is you're uh you know you're you're focused on uh you know devoting those computational resources towards uh you know solving this mathematical puzzle yeah. and finding finding this special nonce that sort of solves this SHA two fifty six you know hashing function, and uh, you're you're doing that in a way that um, you know when when you when you find that solution you basically validate a set of transactions that get added to the blockchain.
1: I so every single transaction is not necessarily validated. It's they happen in chunks as my as Bitcoin is mined. <clears throat> Correct. So uh.
0: they happen in individual blocks. Um, so that's what happens is you know a group of transactions basically get batched together, and they get batched together in this group that's called a block. Um, and that block basically points to the previous block.
1: So it's mm-hmm. a it's
0: basically a, a modification to the previous state of the ledger.
1: And does each and block-
0: That's why it's called a blockchain, e, right? Because it, it basically links to yeah. the previous block.
1: So does each block then, as it's solved, represent a Bitcoin being mined?
0: Each block. So the uh, like I said before, there's this fixed inflation schedule that's determined yeah. by uh, the protocol itself. Mm-hmm. So originally, with each new block that was found, a miner would be rewarded fifty bitcoins.
1: Wow! Um, I'm sure it's uh, not fifty anymore.
0: Four, four, <laughs> uh, four years after that, um, they had an event called the halving, where the block reward was reduced to twenty five bitcoins. Um, it was reduced again to twelve and a half bitcoins, and today it's six point two five bitcoins. Wow! So and then each keep- new block you get <clears throat> you get six point two five
1: bitcoin. At some point, doesn't this chain become so long that it's going to have to be like broken into components or something i mean it can't go on i realize there are only bits of information and bits of data are tiny but at some point trillions of bits become like a lot sure so you know the size
0: of you know the overall blockchain i think today um you know i want to say you, you know it's a it's a couple hundred gigabytes um but it's you know this isn't massive and you know hmm. uh um you know, you can, you can store it on an individual node. Yeah. But now um, you've
1: got countries, uh, a country just became said, sure. okay, Bitcoin's going to become our currency now. And, you know, now these are going to be tr- zillions of transactions every day that represent tiny fractions of Bitcoin. Well,
0: what you have there is, you know, what you can think about Bitcoin being the layer one solution is that it, it can basically be the global sediment layer. Um, there's a layer two that's built on top of Bitcoin called the lightning network. Where you can actually transact micro payments with a much lower cost associated with them, and those basically happen in these channels that are opened up by you know validators. Where it, that, that huh. uh, you so know, it'd be like uh, opening up a credit line
1: with uh, you know Starbucks. I didn't know something. there was like going to be a whole micro transactional layer on top of the Bitcoin uh, blockchain layer. Well, that's interesting.
0: Correct. I think you know one of the arguments always was, well, you know, with Bitcoin, can I buy a cup of coffee with it? Um, that was like the one of the yeah. Uh, you know, tests and, and, and the answer really was no for a long time, but, uh, you know, that they're creating, you know, additional layers on top of that, that, that layer one and increasingly what you're seeing is actually a lot of innovation taking place in the DeFi space. That's, you know, actually happening off the Bitcoin blockchain, but, Hmm. uh, can often be, uh, used with Bitcoin as a, as, as the underlying asset. So what people are doing is they're wrapping their Bitcoin. Um, and, and, uh, what, what you can do with that is you can create a tradable, uh, a tradable token on the Ethereum blockchain with 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 wrapped Bitcoin. And you can utilize that uh, to generate stable coins, which, you know, enable uh, payments. Um, it's kind of like a uh, decentralized gold standard um, mm-hmm. that sort of enables, uh, you know, financial payments layer um, with, with much higher throughput than what you get on the Bitcoin blockchain. Wow,
1: it's... Uh... You're helping me understand more but boy it only gets deeper. It's a uh, rabbit hole my friend. Yeah. <laughs> Listeners, this is Proco360. I'm your host Dave Tabor and this is the show featuring entrepreneurs who could be successful anywhere and choose Colorado. I'm speaking with Chase Lockmiller, CEO and co-founder of Crusoe Energy. Go to proco360.com to subscribe to the newsletter, read my blog, link to sponsors and catch the books I'm listening to on Audible. Please don't forget rate Proco360 in your app. When you finish this episode. So I want to get back to the business of Crusoe Energy. Um, now that we did go down that rabbit hole of Bitcoin, I just I had to take advantage of it. So yeah, absolutely. thanks. Absolutely. I'm happy uh, we did it. Yeah, and, and 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 so you know, I I get where you're going with this whole flare, I'm gonna call it flare to power uh with data center business. How big is this market? And you know Crusoe just seems like this kind of a novel idea that, you know, it it could, it could like swing huge or it could just like be small. How far can this go? Um, so we're excited about two different
0: avenues here and within the flaring and digital flare mitigation, you know, the market is massive. If you took, you know, I, I I stated before, but there's about 14 and a half billion cubic feet a day that are, 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 are flared with no beneficial use globally. Um, The amount of power you could generate from that, you know, people often talk about the, the the amount of power that Bitcoin, the Bitcoin network utilizes. Mm -hmm. If you were to capture all of that flaring and you were to convert it all to power to power Bitcoin mining, you would, you would have enough, uh, you know, computing power and enough, uh, you know, power consumption for eight eight times the, uh, current network. And
1: you'd be preventing the emissions of, uh, whatever flaring causes, uh, and greenhouse gas emissions. So the
0: big, the big thing with flaring is that, you know, oftentimes with a, with, with an open flare, you don't fully combust all of the methane
1: Mm -hmm. and
0: methane is an incredibly potent greenhouse gas that leads to, uh, much, uh, you know, it has a, a global warming potential over, you know, 20 years, Uh, where it will trap about 80 times more heat in the atmosphere than the equivalent amount of CO2. So by getting full combustion of the methane, you actually lead to this massive emissions reduction um, Mm -hmm. and a greenhouse gas uh, emissions reduction. And so compared to flaring, our units basically uh, reduce the CO2 equivalent footprint by about 63%. Wow.
1: Wow. That's, you know, it just seems like one of these uh, out of the box thinking uh, sort of moments that turn a real big problem into a really big benefit. It's super cool.
0: Yeah. I, I think as a whole, what, what Crusoe is focused on doing is aligning the future of computing infrastructure mm-hmm, more broadly. Mm-hmm. Bitcoin mining is a, is a big component of the computing infrastructure, but other high performance computing applications some other like things. artificial intelligence yeah. training, yeah. Uh, graphical rendering, computational drug discovery. These are all going to increase at an exponential rate. And
1: they can be moved to an efficient greenhouse gas reducing model.
0: Exactly. So we're we're focused on aligning all of those computing resources Mm -hmm. and how they're actually getting utilized with the future of the climate and the future of the
1: planet. So is there anyone, I mean, this sounds like the Holy grail, you know, one is uh, taking old technology that's polluting, converting it to, support new technology that's the future of the world. I mean, that sounds like perfect. Now, is there anyone who doesn't like this idea? Is anyone pushing back on this notion?
0: Um, generally speaking, we've gotten very positive reception. And you know, the big reason for that is that we, we've created a big win for the oil industry in, yeah. in helping them uh, produce in a more economic capacity and in a way that reduces their emissions footprint from each yeah. marginal barrel. But I mean,
1: like with, okay, with wind turbines, they were supposed to be, everybody, environmentalists were supposed to love them, but they hurt birds. And then, then, you know, solar power, everyone's supposed to love it, but now they're getting pushed back on that. And um, is there any pushback at all on this or is everybody loving you?
0: Um,
1: I, I would say the the
0: biggest pushback we've gotten is that by doing this, it enables more oil production.
1: Uh. Um
0: However, hmm. my counter argument to that really is that the demand for oil is not going away, right? It's, yeah, it's yeah. the demand for oil is is actually still increasing, mm-hmm. um, which, which leads us to a scenario where, you know, we could either, you know, outlaw the use of oil and gas, which, you know, I think, I don't think there's a single person living in modern society that doesn't use uh, a product on a daily basis that, you know, yeah, is, yeah. it comes from the oil and gas industry. Uh, or we could, we could think about it more pragmatically and say, look, oil and gas actually uplifts the the quality of life of humanity. How can we produce it in a more economic and also more
1: environmentally friendly capacity? So now, uh, let's talk a bit of, you mentioned you grew up in Colorado. Um, you've located Crusoe Energy in part in Colorado. So what role is Colorado having in what you're doing with Crusoe Energy, the success of the company?
0: Yeah. Colorado is where I grew up. Uh, I, I, uh, sort of spend a good deal of my time in, in San Francisco where we have another office. Um, but our, our, uh, team is mostly split between Colorado, San Francisco, and, uh, we have a very large field operations team up in Williston, North Dakota. So that, that's kind of the mm-hmm. you know, geographic split today. Um, we're planning on opening, um, another field office, uh, in West Texas, mm-hmm. uh, based in Midland. Um, and, we are also planning on opening a, an additional office in, in Chicago, but uh, Denver's really yeah. our headquarters and, you know, where the bulk of our, our, our staff is today.
1: Cool. Uh, before we wrap, I want to talk a little bit about the actual, uh, the, sort of the, uh, the, in, the inner workings of Crusoe energy and on your website, uh, you've got five values stated and listeners. Those are cultivate an idea, meritocracy, think like a mountaineer, Like it's, I see where that comes from, from climbing Everest, um, relentless commitment to resource efficiency, tap into the collective genius, be and become your best self. So here's the impossible question for you, Chase, which of these values do you think had the most to do with the success you've had so far? And which of the values do you think is going to be the one that you lean on the most moving forward?
0: Sure. It's a great question. Uh, we're, we're definitely a very values oriented business and uh, developing those values was one of the most important things that Coley and I did um, in the early phases of the business because it really created this amazing decision-making architecture for people to understand what it what it means to be a great employee at Crusoe and and really if these values don't resonate with you it, it, you know it was kind of a uh, you know you it, it might not be the best fit for you but yeah. you know one of I, I think the value that's led to the most success to date has been this very unique value that we have which is called think like a mountaineer. And you don't, it doesn't mean you have to be a mountaineer. It just means that you have to think like a mountaineer, which so, is what? Yeah. So ma- mountaineering is a, is a, you know, is a task that one involves tremendous preparation. So uh, you have to think through and, and you have to have backup plans for everything. You have to have a plan, a a plan, B, a plan C, and then if that fails, you have to have a plan D um, and a bailout plan for that one. So, um, you know, that, that, that's really what leads to successful and safe mountaineering. Mm-hmm. Um, and we we're in a very highly operationally intensive business where things can go wrong and we have to have backup plans for all of those things. Mm. We've experienced a number of those, you know, uh, small and larger scale crises, um, ranging from, you know, things like oil prices going negative back in 2020. That was something that was never on our radar paying to store on our map. And it just like was a completely unprecedented territory and we had to be prepared for that. And, um, in order to survive. So, uh, and then, you know, the, the other aspects of it are, you know, promoting, uh, you know, massive safety culture, you know, we're operating in a, mm-hmm. uh, in, in a, in an area that, you know, if, if things can go wrong, I mean, I mean, you know, people's lives are at stake here. Um, and then, you know, we're also dealing with a dynamic set of tools, you know, mountaineering you're successful mountaineering. If you, Know how to use your ropes. Know how to use your ice axes. Know sure. how to use your, uh, well, your that's, carabiners. Yeah, and uh, a similar set of tools. You know, in in our industry, you know, it's you know we have large scale you know power generation facilities. We have to have experts that really you know know how to use those and 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 get the most out of them. Okay, so that that's really been the value that's led to the most success yep. for us to date. Um,
1: yeah, going for, forward, what going do you forward,
0: think? I think you know, we have very, very grand and uh, ambitious plans to, you know, build the next generation of uh, vertically integrated computing infrastructure that, you know, does everything from uh, the way, you know, uh, power gets generated, consumed uh, to the way, you know, uh, software is designed and the way consumers, uh, you know, utilize that. So uh, given this very grand vertically integrated and very, you know, ambitious roadmap that we have, uh, the, it, it's going to require domain experts from a lot of different areas. And you can see that when you go to our website and you see the people yeah. that work at Crusoe, you have, you have domain experts from very, very diverse sets of industries, which brings me back to this value that we have called tap into the collective genius. Yeah. Each person brings something different to the table and each, and, and each, and, and what they bring to the table contributes in a, in a very unique way to the collective, uh, goal that we have. Uh, to create this next-generation vertically integrated computing solution.
1: Cool. I think that's a good note to end on. Awesome. It's been a nice, con- a really interesting conversation. You've satisfied a bunch of my curiosity about Bitcoin mining, and I, I am so impressed at the, the creativity that went into solving, two problems uh, that are both, you know, sort of trends of our. Of our, of our world. So that's super cool. I'm your host, Dave Tabor. And today on ProCo 360, you've been listening to my conversation with Chase Lockmiller, CEO and co-founder of Crusoe Energy. Uh, Chase, what a what a cool conversation! I look forward to editing this because I'm—I know I'm going to be like, "Wow, I—you know—I <laughs> didn't even realize this, so it's going to be fun." Thank you.
0: Awesome, Dave. Thank you so much for having me here. It's—it's it's really been a pleasure.
1: Listeners, thanks for joining me on ProCo 360, where we say, "Live, work, love Colorado," because you and I and my guests can be successful anywhere and choose Colorado. You make the show successful by subscribing to the ProCo 360 podcast and submitting a review. Thanks again to show sponsors, First Bank, Kinsley Meetings, Via Technologies digital frontier printing and the colorado chamber of commerce that's the show live work love colorado